0: We have one team set for the NBA Finals, and it's one that hasn't been there since 1993. The Phoenix Suns, led by Chris Paul, going to his first Finals ever himself. Monty Williams going to his first Finals. Hell, you know what? We can just save the talk. Whoever gets to the Finals has never been there before. Everybody. Legitimately everybody as far as players go. And probably most coaches. But man. What a performance by CP3, ironically, at Staples Center. Dropping a quick 41, 31 of them in the second half. Getting guys to jump on pump fakes, pulling up for mid-range, hitting seven out of eight threes, getting that mental edge by doing the Chris Paul things. You know what I mean? But good for him, good for Monty. It's been one hell of a road. What's up, guys? Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, bringing you another episode of Keep It at 94 as a part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. And we only got two other teams fighting to get to that top of the mountain to face the, the Phoenix Suns, and that's the Bucks and the Hawks, who are both ailing and missing their superstars. We are recording this on a Thursday afternoon prior to game five so we don't have a crystal ball we do not have psychic powers we can't tell you what's going to happen but we can predict what's going to happen for the rest of the series we can go over what happened in the Suns Clippers series what Phoenix is going to have in front of them uh, going into their first final series we'll touch on some coaching news we'll touch on some player news stemming from, uh, the Clippers being eliminated in the conference finals, as well as some other stuff, maybe even the name image and likeness stuff going on with the NCAA. So lots up for you here. on keeping it 94. So what's up, Brian
1: Spencer, just to give you an idea of how long 1993 was the last time that the Phoenix Suns decided to make it to the NBA finals with Charles Barkley on their team. Um, Here's the cost of living in 1993 or how much some different things cost. You know that the average income back then was just a little over $31,000. The average monthly rent was $532. A gallon of gas was $1.16. You could go to the movies for $4.14. The cost of a new car was $12,750. A loaf of bread was only $1.57. You could go to Harvard. Tuition of Harvard was a paltry $23,514. It's so long ago. And because I'm going to age myself here a little bit, I wasn't even old enough to drink yet because I was only 20 years old.
0: Brian, you want to make yourself feel even more older. I was one.
1: I know. I didn't remember exactly how (laughs) old you were. So I wasn't going to guess, but I knew you were single digits.
0: I was one year old. That's crazy. But I, I remember mean, I had watching like the, the last tapes.
1: I remember watching the Phoenix Suns play in the NBA Finals against the Michael Jordan-led Chicago Bulls in 1993, and I remember so many people thinking, "Man, these Suns got a real chance." And Barkley thought he had a real chance, and then he got on the court, Michael, and was like, I don't, <laughs> "I don't have a chance.
0: I don't have a chance.
1: I don't have a chance." <laughs>
0: So that's got to be the only thing that we're going to say negatively about the Suns, I think, is just going back to what happened in 93. would love to actually rewatch that series if I had the damn time.
1: It's an entertaining series. It really is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was six games, right? Six games.
1: Away. Yep. Thunder Dan Marley, man.
0: Thunder Dan. I believe he was a one-time Cavalier, if I'm not mistaken, at some point. That's crazy. Yeah, Marley. Was uh, Tom Chambers on that team?
1: I believe he was.
0: Okay. See, I know a little bit of it. I know a little bit. You know, this is because of the VHS tapes that I watched. The superstars, superstars with the, the wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me you have a VCR in your place right now?
0: I don't have one now. Okay. I've got one somewhere at my parents' garage in the attic. It's there somewhere.
1: I was hoping that you were going to say I don't have per se just a standalone VCR, but I have the the VCR DVD combo.
0: I had one of those. <laughs> I had one of those. I, and I had a Sega Dreamcast. I can give you all the, the relics of the past. Did you have a TV role.
1: with the, with I the VCR, VCR built in?
0: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And it was in my bedroom. And that's what I would watch those damn superstars videos on. If you look it up, guys, uh, those who are listening, look up NBA superstars, uh, volume two. It might've been volume three. I can't remember, but it had a yellow cover and it had, basically it was mixtapes. So like, you know how you go on the internet and you look at YouTube highlights and whatnot, right? This was just a hour long, um, you know, videotape of highlights and it featured like all of the, the best superstars. I know I had superstars, uh, volume two or volume three, whatever it was. And then I had NBA jam and that was more in 94, but like that had Shaq on it that had Larry Johnson made me fall in love with Larry Johnson, uh, Derek Coleman and, and, uh, you know, Kenny Anderson, like, they had so many. Mark Price was on there. Uh, there were just so many different, like, stars that they, they would put on these these tapes, and I just that's, – that's when I fell in love with basketball, honestly. Um, but I, I will still remember it to this day. But, yeah, you said the, the VCR built into the TV. I'll do you one better. I had a VCR rewinder, like the one you put the tape in because it took so long to rewind it in the VCR itself there was an actual rewinder that you could slap the tape in and it would take like maybe three minutes to go all the way back or else it would take like 10 minutes for you to rewind the old tape anyway. So oh, yeah, I can level with you a little bit on the VCR thing there.
1: Oh, by the way, the Phoenix Suns back in 1993, when they went to the finals, Danny Ainge was on that team. Richard Dumas was on that team. He actually started if I remember right. Um, Kurt Rambis, Laker executive now, he was on that team. So was Mark West and also Oliver Miller was on that team and Kevin Johnson.
0: Kevin Johnson. That's another one. I remember Cedric Sabalas is on that, that
1: club ago. said was on that team.
0: How about that? How about that? All mm-hmm. right. It's enough blast from the past. I think we, 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 we hit the VCR thing and <laughs> I haven't, you know, I wish I, I'm going to break that out. I'm going to break that out. At some point. But uh, no, th- this current Suns team though, man, uh, very, very fun to watch. Very, You feel really good uh, for, you know, a player like CP3. You feel really good for Monty Williams. Like I said, you know, through the years and the tears and the ups and downs, uh, this is just one of those feel-good moments uh, if you are a true basketball fan and you appreciate how long it can take for someone to reach this, you know, pinnacle. Um, and, you know, the job's still not done yet, but just those two seeing the throwback pictures of them in New Orleans when they were with the Hornets. Uh, it's just, it, it, it makes you feel really good, man. It really makes you feel really good. I also think of guys like, you know, uh, a campaign who was out of the league, uh, you know, less than two years ago uh, to be actually playing a huge part of this team. I think of a guy like Jay Crowder, who, you know, for all intents and purposes has, you know, put his money, his, his mouth where his money is, you know, like, like, it's been a a legitimate team effort. Like you can pick out every person on that club and say what they've done to do like to, to be productive and to help them advance and to, to have played a part. That's what I like about where the, the league is currently with these final three teams remaining as it's very team oriented. It's not just these two and then the rest. It's not like that. And I think that's really good for the league um, just because there's a little bit more unpredictability. There's some parity. Uh, you know, the injuries is obviously the part of that that sucks, but it's allowing for other, you know, players that have either been, you know, suppressed by not enough playing time suppressed by, you know, not being able to get by one of those superstars that we mentioned, but it's their time now and it's their time to shine. And, um, you know, there's just like this fate thing. I feel like with Phoenix, uh, it's, it's really interesting to me. I mean, you got to credit a guy like James Jones, who's only been a GM for a few years, <laughs> like, you know, puts to puts this team together as quickly as he does. Um, you know, there, there's just so many different names. I mean, I even talk about Devin Booker, who's, you know, growing in front of our very eyes and it, you know, fighting through this nose injury, took another one on the schnoz yesterday, <laughs> elbow. Um, it You know, it's just uh, it's a real feel-good moment.
1: When you look at what this Suns team has gone through, even over just the last couple of years, from the standpoint that if you looked at this team two years ago, you could even look at them last year before the bubble began. And there was a lot of questions about what direction is this Phoenix Sun team going because they've had. Devin Booker, but he was a guy that some people wondered, is he just a guy that's putting up numbers, um, you know, on a bad team? Is he a good stats, bad team guy? Um, DeAndre Ayton was basically known as the guy that the Phoenix Suns foolishly took over Luka Doncic and Trey Young. And people questioned why they took him, you know, first overall. And there was a lot of question marks about the direction of this franchise. And then the bubble happened. And while they didn't make the playoffs – They're the only team that went 8-0. And people start going, wait, maybe there is something here. Look at Aiton's doing something. We're seeing more something from Booker. We're starting to see more people contribute if they just had a few more pieces. And they go out and they get a Jay Crowder, who definitely helps from a veteran leadership, but fills a certain role. But then, obviously, they go out and they get Chris Paul, which was the really, really big piece. And if you look back even just two years ago when it comes to Chris Paul, you know, this is a guy that was stuck in the Rockets him and James Harden, you know, had a really good regular season, but people questioned could they do it in the playoffs and is that formula going to work? And it didn't work. They they fell out you know incredibly. You know, and people wondered like, well, how are you going to unload a Chris Paul who's you know in the twilight of his career and he's making over $40 million on his contract? Nobody's going to want to take him. And of course, Sam Presti and the Thunder, you know, take him. And play him it's not just in an effort to dump they're trying to get assets but it was a smart move from a standpoint that they felt they had something with chris paul and he goes and he's a professional and he plays with the thunder and he shows i can still play i can still contribute and i can still be part of a winning team so much so that after the season the thunder said we will trade you if you want to be traded we will work with you on a partner and there was a great fit with the Phoenix Suns in that the Suns wanted him, thought he was the missing piece that could take them, you know, to the next level. And I think Chris really wanted to be part of that organization. Once they hired Monty Williams, he definitely wanted to be a part of that because him and Monty go back. And it just, it just fit so well, the way that it came together. And then all the question marks about like, how fast can they actually grow and progress? And there was a part in the season where they were having some health, you know, problems early on. But once Paul and Booker started playing together on a regular basis and they worked out the kinks, you could literally see it to a point where people really had legit question marks of saying, it's not just going to be an improved team. Is this really a contender? And you could see it more and more and more as the season went on to the point where we are now, where they are representing the Western Conference in the NBA Finals.
0: Yes. Yes. And it's well-deserved, you know, I'll probably touch on this point a little later, but You know, this whole, they've had an easy road. You know, they faced teams that haven't had their stars. You know, I'm just saying, get out of there with this BS. Uh, I'm not for that. I'll probably go on a little bit more of a tirade later on that.
1: I'll say something Um, real quick, though. But, yeah. Winning a championship in the NBA is hard. And I never take anything away from anybody else. I'm never going to put an asterisk. I'm never going to say, but... There's always going to be injuries. It's To me, the NBA championship isn't just the playoffs. It's the entirety of the offseason before, the entire season, and getting to that point and going all the way through the playoffs. Are there injuries? Yes. Are there more injuries this year than some other seasons? Yes. But at the same time, you play who's in front of you, and winning a championship is hard. And if you win it, it's deserved, and nobody should take anything away from you.
0: Certainly. And, uh, you know, Stan Van Gundy agrees with that. And again, we'll, 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 touch on that. Uh, but, but, you know, like, you know, we talk up and down about the Suns and, and, you know, I didn't even mention Mikel Bridges, somebody who, you know, he doesn't have the sexiest numbers, but that guy is just such a Swiss army knife um, and pretty much can do, you know, anything you ask of him on the floor. And he's still so young, um, you know, I'm really happy for him. Uh, you know, like, th- th- again, just from top to bottom, I feel like there's nobody on that team um, that you should root against like, it's a really feel good team, but I did want to look at the other side, uh, you know, the Clippers, their season comes to an end, obviously missing Kawhi Leonard. The series is probably different, you know, if he's in the game, uh, but I just wanted to salute, you know, the, the Clippers as a whole, man. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the, the riveting and, and shaking interview that Reggie Jackson did after that loss. And you just realize, you know, how much that coming back meant to him, and you know, Paul George bringing him back into the fold. But like Reggie, we as we you know talked about for the last month, uh, was outstanding in the postseason, and he's going to be earning himself a nice contract um, come this this offseason, especially with you know the the free agent market as dry as it is. He was and one of the
1: best guards the postseason. He really has been.
0: Man, he was you know. He was a pull up assassin. He could shoot the threes. He was getting to the rack, going high. He was doing these
1: crazy moves where he's going left and shooting back across his body, you know, on the right hand side. And, you know, the full arsenal was on display. Mm hmm. Uh,
0: You know, Marcus Morris went out swinging last night. He had a good shooting day. You know, like it just wasn't enough, you know, to get past a a Phoenix team that's just clicking on all cylinders. But how many people thought that the
1: Clippers had a chance once Kawhi was out? And you go back to, you know, the previous game, game, you go back to game five. And (laughs) I mean, I, I mean, I was very impressed with the Clippers and especially with Paul George and what he did in that game. It's one of the best games of his career. At the same time, I was so thoroughly disappointed in the Suns for losing in the way that they did, but things like that happen. I guess you can't make too much of it. Um, Yeah. But I mean, they came back, and I mean, uh, Game Six, they Champions go on the Champions lose road. in the
0: postseason. That's the they
1: do. Thing, I like, mean, it was know? at home. It seemed like <laughs> everything was set up for them to get the big win in front of their crowd. And you know, the Clippers came up with like this incredible effort, and um, even and without Zubac as well. You know, yep. say what you will about that, but. But then, for the Suns to come back and say we're not going to let this go to a game seven, I was I was kind of of the opinion like, man, this is going to go to seven after so after I. the Clippers won five. But Suns, they came out and they took care of business, especially in that second half where Chris Paul just said, "Get out my coattails, man!" and put up thirty one points in the second half and went on a stretch there where he was just just schooling. I mean, he he he, he was putting yeah. on a show.
0: Yep. Right, right in front of his, his, you know, his old family in Clipperland. But I, I think that, with, you know, with this Clippers team, again, you know, we're kind of burying the lead here, um, you know, salute to Paul George, salute to PG man. Um, I think he played the most minutes out of anybody in the playoffs to this point, over 750, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that dude laid it out on the line. Uh, there was nothing that he didn't leave out on the floor. You could clearly tell he was exhausted. <laughs> uh in in game six he just wasn't getting to to the rim as well settling a lot I feel like the Clippers settled a lot in game six but I mean that's just almost natural because you you, physically the toll it takes on you and and then you look at the you know the defense that Aiton played and and Bridges Crowder getting up into people's airspace like it was tough for them they weren't they weren't really putting it on the deck and attacking
1: didn't it remind you a little bit of like the effort Jimmy Butler had in game five of the finals last year. Mm, And then game six, I, I think it was a little bit of a wider gap. Like game six last year, like Jimmy Butler was, he was spent even going into that game, but it felt a little bit like that. Like Paul George just didn't have the same kind of a step and the same kind of tank after what he did in game five.
0: Yep. It's tough to keep those legs, man. After you, I mean, that's what—that's why you don't want to get down 3-1 because your back is against the wall and you have to leave it all on the line. And you have to do it for three straight games in order to win a series. Um, You know, and and I agree with you, you know, with Chris Paul's history, the 3-1 lead, uh, with Teron Liu's history having 3-1 deficit. uh, I, I thought the door was open as well. But like you said, the Suns came out and took care of business. But yeah, salute to PG. I think salute to Teron Liu working with what he had uh, with the injuries that there, there were the adjustments that he made. Um, I, you know, James Posey wrote an excellent article. That's on our main story at the moment uh, entitled it's time that we all put a little more respect on Teron Lu's name. And uh, it was basically pose talking about his experiences um, coaching under Ty Lu in Cleveland, uh, but also just, you know, understanding that Ty is a master of preparation and to, you know, not count him out as one of the best coaches in the league. So make sure you go uh, read that, guys. That's on basketballnews.com. But Without,
1: without getting yeah. too deep into it, I am going to be really curious to see what the Clippers do this offseason because they are really tied to this roster. I mean, Kawhi can opt out. He can become a free agent. I think he's going to end up staying. I mean, I think it's, it's a lot of money
0: to leave on the table. It's
1: a lot, you know, especially, and, you know, he, one of the reasons why he went to the Clippers is because he wanted to be in LA. He wanted to be home. So I, I have a, I don't think he would go anywhere. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I just think that he is going to stay. Um, but outside Latest of that,
0: report by the latest report, by the way, is the Mavs and the Heat are going to expect to make a push for him. Sure.
1: Yeah. And I, and I can totally see that. And those are, those are other teams where he could win instantly, but um, and like I said, who knows, I mean, I'm not going to try to get into the mind of Kawhi Leonard because that's an impossible task. Um, but I don't know what other major changes they can make because like I said, they're pretty much tied to this roster and I don't know what kind of value they could get for the players that they have. I guess the biggest for the thing for them is maybe just adding another role guy and staying healthy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just got to, you live and die by the three, but you were putting a lot of pressure on the rim with both of them there. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think that you don't really have to add anybody. They were missing Serge Ibaka. That like like this entire playoffs. Let's 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 remember that too, and how important Serge was in the regular season. I know it's the regular season, but Serge has been to the top, and Serge is a huge asset for them in stretching the floor and in being a a, a rim protector. And being a switchable defender, you know, like that's a huge deal. So Ty had to go with Nick Batum at the five and Marcus Morris at the five. Like, that's not easy to do. And you know, missing guy like that, that's huge. Missing Kawhi Leonard, obviously huge. Um, I don't really, I don't really think that they have to change too much. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if. You know, I don't know what their cap situation is like, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Reggie, uh, you know, outplayed their their price range.
1: I mean, um, they're they're but. they're deep. They're going to be deep in tax. I mean, it there is what go. it is. But I mean, luckily they've got an owner that's got deep pockets, and I think really wants. care
0: about the luxury tax.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and I don't think yeah. I mean if this team had gone out like in the first round, I could have seen Balmer going, okay, this is not work. We need to make some changes. I'm not going to spend this kind of money for this, but because they went as far as they did and because they did, and they showed
0: some grit and they showed some real, real team quality. Yes.
1: And you didn't have one of your star players. Then I can see them saying, let's bring it back and let's, let's, you know, with the cap space we have, which is just going to be like a mid level, we can make a tweak. I don't don't think there's a big trade or anything like that. They're not going to add like some big star. I mean, the biggest thing for them is just keeping Kawhi, you know, and, and going from there. So, you know, I, I think that they have proved, though, that they can contend and if they get healthy, it's just going to be that much better. Now, mind you, is the West going to be even more difficult next year? Probably. It, it, I mean, because, you know, Golden State's going to be healthier. If the Lakers are healthier, you know, some teams continue to grow, um, like Memphis, you know, Phoenix, you know, we expect them to probably be back in the hunt, you know, again yeah. next year. You know, so, I mean, the, the sure. West is going to be a difficult road.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a difficult road, especially if Damian Lillard and LeBron James are sitting next to each other in an LX Sparks game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, uh, I'm not going to be that guy though. Can I can I mention guy. something
1: though about about that about the the Suns and the Clippers and the series and yeah, happening in yeah. Game 6. Go ahead. There's so much made and rightfully so about Chris Paul and the way that he plays because Chris is methodical. You know, <laughs> very much methodical. He's he's Such an extreme competitor, but we all know he can rub people the wrong way with, I I wouldn't say antics on the court, but just some of the things he does and trying to draw fouls and the flopping flat out. I mean, there was, there was an incredible flop that happened in the game to where. You know the broadcast team went to Steve Javi He goes, he goes, quite the performance there by, uh, you know, by Chris Paul. And I get Classic it. And Chris. he he will get under your skin. He will mm-hmm. say some stuff. He'll talk to people. He does stuff. And some of that flopping, I really do not like. I mean, I have a ton of respect for Chris Paul. He's an incredible player. He's one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. Um, and he deserves this moment. But that. That stuff does rub me the wrong way a little bit because I think it goes a little bit over the top with it. I mean, it's like there's a sniper out there that I we none of us saw on the grassy knoll. Suddenly, that being said, though, what happened to him late in the game where Patrick Beverly was frustrated? And that's I get exactly it? it. He was frustrated. His emotions got to him because he knew at that point they were out. Okay, well that that's and, why. And and him shoving Chris Paul. And see, the thing about Patrick Beverly is. Patrick Beverly is probably loved by most Clipper fans and hated by everybody else in the league because the the word on Pat Bev around the league is he is the dirtiest player in the league right now. He is a dirty player. He is a guy, though, that had a really good series. He was playing hard. He gets in everybody's space. He's defending. He's doing all those things. And on top of that, he's trying to get in your head. He's doing all the trash talk and everything. And some of that, he likes doing that. He enjoys doing that because it's part of his game. Because he knows I might have some limitations some other places, but I'm going to beat you with my hustle and getting in your head, and I'm going to annoy the hell out of you. All those things being said, whether you like that, whether you appreciate it or not, with some of the other things that he does that has earned him You know, that label of being a dirty player and then letting his emotions get to him in that manner to where all Chris Paul had to do was walk by him and not say a word and literally give a half smirk in Patrick Beverly, pushing him not to his face, but from behind and shoving him down. Patrick Beverly is a chump. He is flat out a chump for doing that. That was awful. That Classic is low class, lowbrow. That is the worst of the worst. You want to do something, you want to be. I understand that emotions are part of the game that can get to you even when you're a professional. But you want you want to do something face to face. You don't do it from behind like that. That's a chump move. It's a low life move. He's going to get suspended to begin next season, and he should be. And his reputation, if you thought it was bad enough already, it just took about another three notches down because of that. And I truly wonder if the Clippers want him back after that. And if they don't who is going to take that guy because he's still owed like 13 million on on that contract.
0: So I think they'll, you know, obviously still want him back. I don't think the, you know, the, an incident like that obviously is disappointing and you're right. That is a chump move. Uh, You can't do stuff when, you know, you, you were literally getting beat, you know, like you, you're just, it's not like, you know, someone's talking smack and you know, you're, you have the upper hand here. You're the one just, you're the one getting beat now you're the one that's getting a taste of pretty much your own medicine. Um, so it, it is, it's a poor sportsman move. Um, you know, for the record, uh, Pat Bev did go on Twitter today and apologize. Um, I would like to seen that in person more after the game or something. Um, But it's uh no, it was definitely disappointing, and even more so to the fact not only did he shove him, he shoved him hard very much. He could he could have hurt he could have hurt CP. Um Uh, not Frank probably should have got in between the two.
1: I was gonna say that, not to give a drive by anybody, but but good old Frank the tank just sat there and watched it happen and didn't do anything. I'm like, Frank, you're not playing, shove him back. Tell him Frank, Frank, just get in the way. I don't care what your relationship is with Chris Paul, like if you like respect him as a player but maybe you don't like him or whatever it's gonna be it's just like that's your teammate that's the leader on your team this guy shoved him from behind shoved him hard pushed him down frank you push that guy back if you start a melee or whatever that's not your problem that is standing up for your teammate and you're saying we're not going to let that stand right but frank just kind of went just watched it happen like it was it was like he drove by a wreck on the road you know like yep Look at that. Well, look. <laughs> Rubber wow, deep. look at that. That guy is really bleeding over there. He's really hurt. Good mm, Lord. I'm just gonna, oh, I better make it home. You know, I got to get some Taco Bell and then you know sit on the couch.
0: But just to, you know, kind of wrap this up. The reason that Pat Bev, you know, did that and his emotions did get to him, though, is because CP3 knows exactly what he does. He knows how to get the mental upper hand. He knows how to get under your skin. And he plays that game maybe better than anybody else in the league. He does. And I mean,
1: there's so many pros. You're going to see that in the finals, whether you like it or not,
0: you're going to see it in the finals.
1: There's so many great pros that come with Chris. There are a couple of cons. I can easily rub some people the wrong way. And there's players around the league that are rubbed the wrong way because of those things that he does when it comes to the flopping. I mean, he's rubbed so many different teammates the wrong way because he is demanding of his teammates. It's just now he's with a team that maybe he's let off just a little bit, but not, not so much to where he can't still be demanding, but it's not as annoying, I guess.
0: It's fair. It's fair. Okay. Over to the Eastern conference. Who's ready for John Collins. Who's ready for Chris Middleton, drew holiday versus Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari versus PJ Tucker. These are the marquee, right? Game five.
1: How dare you mention Red Velvet? Come on.
0: Hey, Kevin Herter's the man. He is. but He ain't going to get the nod over Team Lou. Lou Will. First start, by the way, in his postseason career. He's been in the playoffs 10 years, and he has not started a game. He comes out and puts up 21 points in his debut start as somebody in his mid-30s. God Lemon Pepper
1: that. was bringing the spice
0: always team Lou always team Lou good news for the Hawks bogey looking like bogey again that's important because knee soreness is starting to go away it looks like looks like he's moving better I think we got to that point too last week where he said he's not producing but at least he's he's, he physically looks like bogey so if bogey gets going you don't know what's gonna happen he looks good I'm looking at cam reddish somebody that Nick McMillan has admitted that he's only coached for two or three games and already loves the intensity that he brings to the floor. Uh, the job that he did putting Chris Middleton in a blanket in game four. He was uh, with fantastic. Else. He, he was did. So good. Just the energy, energy, man. It's, it's everything. Onyeko Kong. what have I told you the whole postseason, or at least since, since round two, this guy is going going unnoticed so much. He needs to trend towards more of that split with Clint Capella. I think more towards that 15 to 18 minutes rather than 10 minutes because double O that guy is making a difference defensively. His timing's really good. He's a switchable defender. He's able to finish high handoffs. Um, it is just really, really smart and poised, uh, especially for, you know, only being 19, 20 years old. That's really impressive. um, they, again, they still don't know any better. They're like, we don't belong here, but you know what? We belong here. <laughs> like, they are so dangerous because there's somebody, a team that has nothing to lose. Whereas, on the opposite end, you're looking at the Bucks, who are going to be without Giannis in game five. Hopefully not the same case in game six. But pressure is on them. Because regardless of Giannis being hurt or not you know everyone's got the match underneath the seat of Mike Budenholzer you know we're looking at Chris Middleton who had a career day in game three and then just got again blanketed in game four drew holiday didn't have much to do as well in that game they are a team that's so weird and I don't know how to put it I think Charles Barkley put it the best though It's like, they're the best team remaining. But they don't got any killer instinct. They, preparation-wise, I think this is when you get to Coach Bud. And you can't treat this like it's April. (laughs) Like, it's, it's July at this point. You're well into the Eastern Conference Finals. And you're telling me you can't get up for a game without Trey on the other side? And... I know that sounds hot takey and it should, it shouldn't because any team that's gotten to this point is not going to just fold. But if you look at the effort that the bucks put out there in game four and just, just not being aggressive, you know, defensively being all over the place, not making your shots, just kind of out there discombobulated, turning the ball over not paying attention to the details against a team that's undermanned. That's just not, you can't excuse it. You cannot excuse it. And they are going to have to do some soul searching here in this game five because one, they don't know if their superstar is going to be healthy. Even though Trey Young is a game time decision for Atlanta. This is still game five. What's the stat? 87% of the time, whoever wins this game is going to win the series. So they've got to figure it out. They got to go back to what they were doing in game three or game two, whatever it had to be. They have to find it. They have to keep it. They can't just, okay, our backs against the wall in this game. So we're going to come out here. And then the next game, uh, you know, since we're up one, we have a cushion. We don't have to worry about this. Can't do that. You can't do that in the NBA playoffs. You can't do that in the conference finals with a chance to get to the finals. You can't do it. So, Gotta be prepared. It's plain and simple. It's not. It's not even about the talent with these Bucks. They're extremely talented. They they're probably one of the most talented teams in the league. All about attitude. All about attitude.
1: It's tough to get a read on the Bucks, and it's been this way the entire postseason. Because just when you think that they've, you know, cleared a hurdle on their path to a championship and are putting it together. Then they have a disappointing performance. This happened the previous two series. And then now it happened again. I mean, you go into a game four and I know it's on the road. I know it's hostile territory, but coming off of game three, how well they played. You go to game four, it's in Atlanta and the Hawks don't have their star player on the court. Everything is trending your way. And this is the time where you put your foot down on the neck. This is the time where you turn it up and you grab this series and take control. And instead they laid over and the Hawks played hard. They played with intensity. They played with that instinct. They fed off the crowd and the bucks just let it happen. I mean, the, People want to talk about like, oh my God, well, yeah, Giannis got hurt in this game and he did. And thankfully it wasn't more severe because when that happened and when he went down, I think everybody had their worst fears go through their mind. And then you saw the replay and you saw the way that his leg bent and you're like, oh my God, that's not natural. Did he tear ligaments? Did he do whatever? Come to find out he hyperextended his knee. He's going to miss game five. Maybe he won't miss any more games. We will see beyond that. But even at the point where Giannis went out, they were losing and things were trending badly because, I mean, they were down 13 at the half after only putting up 16 points in the second quarter. And remember how this game even went in the first quarter, the Hawks jumped out to a big lead and the bucks had to come back. It was only a three point game going in the second quarter. And you're like, all right, here come the bucks. They got it going. And instead they just wilted only 16 points. They're down 13 and it wasn't like they were fighting to get back into it in the third quarter. No, the Hawks were increasing their lead. I mean, this game was over with Giannis in it, you know, before he got hurt. And it's just so disappointing and difficult to watch his Bucks team with as much talent as they have. But they it's almost like everybody is reading a different book. It was like everybody's got to do a book report, and here's the book, and yet somebody got a different copy of the book. It's just like no, you're reading version four. We're on. We're supposed to be reading version five. Wh- whatever it is, it's like everybody they're all on a different page somehow. And it's maybe that's a better analogy. It's like we're all reading the same book, and yeah, we're going to be talking about you know chapter seven. And this guy's read chap- up to three. This guy's read up to four. This person's read through you know chapter ten. Everybody's on a different page. They're all over the place. And, and I think a lot of this, without you know picking on somebody, but it, somebody has to be picked on, and I think it has to come down to coaching because they're going to be responsible for getting everybody on the same page. And this is ridiculous that you can see the highest of highs one game to where, here we go. It's not just we played hard, but we, we shot bad. This was a, we were great in one game. And then we came out with no intensity, with nothing in this game. Nothing. This wasn't just like a bad shooting. The offense was bad. The intensity was bad. It got to a point where the defense was bad. Everything was bad. This is one of the worst performances we've seen in the playoffs by any team. And it's just so disappointing knowing that the Hawks were did not have Trey Young. And then now we have to come back for a game five in Milwaukee, but no Giannis. Where you we
0: should be shutting them out. You should be closing this series at this right. point.
1: So what are you going to do now without your star player? What are you going to do? Yep. And this is going to be, I think, a, a real milestone in the progress of the Milwaukee Bucks is what happens in a game five. You know, do they compete? Do they play hard? Are they, you know, intense on the floor? Are they doing all the right things? Are they getting the 50-50 balls? You know, are they making the extra pass doing the little things? Or is that only going to be from Atlanta? Because I expect it from Atlanta, regardless. I mean, it's, Atlanta's going to be on the road. They could have a bad shooting night, you know, whatever. But I think they are going to play hard. That's just the way they are. But can Milwaukee match that?
0: It's a good question. It's a really good question. And when you mention the coach, I blame him for the preparation part. I don't blame him for the on-court part. That's on the players, man. I, I I can't. If they see what works and know what works, and how many times have we had this freaking conversation in the last few weeks if they know what works and see what works, why go away from it? Why?
1: That's why the Bucks are so infuriating question. because like you said before, like when you talk about like overall talent, the Bucks are one of the more talented teams in the league, especially with what's left. If you go position by position right now, what's left in these playoffs, you can say, well, hot damn, look at Milwaukee. But then at mm-hmm. the same time, but you have to look at the team element. how they play together. Are they playing hard? Are they playing for one another? All these different things. You know, it's, I mean, and, and it's not just one guy that's night and cold. I mean, how many times we seen Chris Middleton, you know, have a two for 14 shooting game. And then he comes back and he puts up freaking 20 and a quarter. You know, how many times have we seen drew holiday look like he can't hit the broadside of a barn and then comes back the next game, you know, and it puts up 35.
0: He hasn't been nearly as consistent. I, I mean, he's all I over know the that. place. I know that you know, Chris Milton hasn't been the most, you know, the most consistent, but I'm looking at Drew Holiday as far as up and down and up and down on on, offensively.
1: There were some Um, games where it looked like, not that he was scared, but it it just seemed like he was hesitant, tentative. Tentative. Yeah. Tentative. You can put all of those in there and like, and then the next game he comes out, he goes like, I'm not going to let that happen. But then it, but then it happens again, like uh, the following game, it's, it's all over the place. And like I said, in this game, in game four, like even when they had Giannis in there, like he wasn't doing anything. Like no. they were building a wall behind them. like the defensive intensity that Atlanta played with was incredible. And like Milwaukee, instead of like, well, we got to figure out an answer to this. Let's try some different things. It was almost like, nope, I don't know what to do. And it's looked lost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Head, head scratcher, man. Head scratcher. Very but, much. Uh, we we got to put ourselves on the spot though. Cause we already have one team that's going to be representing the West in the NBA finals, who's going to be representing the East. Who are you picking?
1: I'm still going to pick Milwaukee. I'm still going to do it. They, they drive me crazy. They drive me crazy too. And,
0: and, 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 and I've, I've literally been just trying to find out and figure out and get to the bottom of it. I have been watching this team. From the beginning of this playoffs, I watched him a a decent amount in the regular season. But when the playoffs came, I was really interested because they had done the experimenting. You know, they were doing the right things, changing things the right way. You know, Nakayas had some great pieces uh, and breakdowns of what they've changed defensively. You know, the differences in the drop coverages, the differences in the switches. I I was on board. I was like, you know what? And they're realizing that Giannis is a five. Okay, yeah, let's see what we got. And then, yeah. and then, you know, we're here, we're here. And, you know, we look at the the Nets series and, and you're here, you know, with Atlanta, who's just fighting their asses off. Um, it's just, I can't put a finger on them, but and, is, and talent, the, is talent alone going to get them to the finals?
1: I might look stupid in a couple of days from now because the Hawks will just keep doing what they're doing. And Obviously, the Bucks are better with Giannis on the team. Maybe it's a good thing that he's gone for a game because it makes other people accountable for what they need to do. Maybe it helps figure out some of the offense a little bit better.
0: Bobby Portis time, baby. I think he's, it all he's, com- he's had a really good series, too.
1: To me, the thing I'm going to be looking for the most is how hard are they working on defense? And as many questions as we have about their offense and everything, I want to see what they're doing on defense first. And if they are playing hard on that end of the court and really challenging Hawk shooters, uh, and you're at
0: home, you're at Fiser forum. Yeah.
1: And you're going to feed off that crowd. That will, that will speak a lot to what we are getting out of Milwaukee. I mean, I think this is probably going to end up being a seven game series, no matter what. Um, and that, you know, game seven being in Milwaukee, I think it would definitely help. But, um, like I said, I'll, I'll pick Milwaukee. I'm doing it knowing that I could easily have egg on my face and I could be kicking myself. I could be really mad at myself if they if they keep playing like they did in game 5 or game 4 because all the evidence is out there at this point saying why do you keep picking against Atlanta? Everybody keeps picking against Atlanta and all the Hawks do is step up and win games even without their star player. But yet everybody still picks against Atlanta.
0: Yep. I don't know, man. All bets are off with me. I'm going with Atlanta. I've been wrong the whole time here in this playoffs. I looked really decent after the first round, Brian, but Sixers aren't going to the finals and the Clippers aren't going to the finals. I've been off on everything. Clearly I'm off on with this Bucks thing. I don't know. I, I'm going to pick the Hawks and you know why? Cause I think that Trey young having a bone bruise in his ankle is a little bit less um, worrisome than a hyperextended knee and Giannis coming back. The thing I, that, worry that's about, another reason I would do
1: that. Yeah. The thing I worry about with Giannis is even if he comes back, it's the same thing that happened to Anthony Davis. You deal with one injury, and you can overcompensate and suffer another injury very easily. And that's something I would—they have to be very cautious about and and, and whether or not they're going to put him on the court. Because you're going to put him on the court, you got to say, you know, there's no shackles. But I would worry about like. How bad this injury is, and could we make it worse by letting him go out there in that he's more susceptible to putting you know more weight on his left leg, or he could do some more damage to like his right knee or whatever it is. So,
0: yes, I agree, and I think the Trey can bounce back from a, a little bit of a bum ankle that he, he turned on an official's foot, for goodness <clears throat> sake, and Pella gets bopped in the nose <laughs> literally. If if there's any misstep that Nate McMillan has taken, it was not having his starters out at that point of the game. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, we're tied up 2-2, going into game five. We'll see how it plays out. We're not going to know because we're recording this before it even
1: happens. Either way, now that we know that the Suns are in there, would you, do you think they are the favorites against either team in the East or how would you rank it?
0: Yes. Neither, not even close.
1: I, I tend to think that like the Bucks would be the favorites, but then Phoenix would be number two and no way. Atlanta three.
0: Mm, I I think the Suns are the favorites and they're the betting favorites to win the title. Now
1: <laughs> so. I think, yeah, at this point they should be, I mean, what else do they have yeah. to prove? Right. I mean, they're,
0: yeah. They're coming out the of the fluctuating West. odds, man. Whoever had the Suns at the beginning of the postseason, congrats to you. Cause this is, this is looking real for you.
1: Can I, can I be honest with you? A little side story on the personal life of me. So a few weeks ago, I found myself in a casino in, uh <laughs> a couple hours away from where I live here in North Carolina. And um, they had a sports book there. And I uh, told my wife, I was thinking about going up there and uh, putting a little money down on the Phoenix Suns, um, who at the time, I, I think the odds were 8 to 1, something like that. I think it was like in the second round of the playoffs, whatever it was, I did not do it. I regret not doing it right now. I know that I would have to drive back the three to four hours to collect if they had won the bet, but I still wish I'd done it. (laughs) But, I mean, they're healthy. I mean, Chris Paul was the one guy that we thought, is he still suffering from COVID? And I'm not worried about that after seeing what he did in that closeout game.
0: No, not at all. Not at and, and all, they're gonna get a little bit
1: more time to rest up, and maybe Booker's nose will be a little bit better. And you know, um, maybe they'll get Cam back. I mean, he was out with an illness,
0: yeah, you know, some the random illness,
1: yeah. So, I mean, all signs are pointing to the Phoenix Suns right now,
0: really are, really are. And we have a Suns centric team at basketballnews.com that's just going crazy. <laughs> that goes for everybody, man. That's it's 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 really funny, you know, the the year that we launched and. <laughs> the Suns are in the finals. That's that's pretty crazy, man. It's pretty crazy. Um, that's a quick couple of notes, and then we'll get out of here. Um, let's go a little bit um, around the league. So Magic Jobs still wide open. They're interviewing Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, Penny Hardaway is no longer in consideration for the job. Uh, Kenny Atkinson still uh, viewed as a, you know, a high candidate uh, as well as Wes. So uh, being as close to Orlando um, as you are and were, I guess, uh, what are your thoughts on this situation?
1: I think it's wide open. I don't think they're looking at any one person. I think they're open to a lot of different things.
0: Not keeping it in the family?
1: Maybe they're not going to keep it in the family. I mean, Jamal mostly (laughs) got his first interview. Wes is getting his second one. Um, I would
0: love to see Jamal get that job, by the way, after that crap that happened in Dallas.
1: Yeah, I mean that would be great because that'd be awesome. Come to find out, um, apparently, as we thought, that was a drive-by by Rick Carlisle. That Unreal. was flat out. That was <laughs> that was pinning him to the dartboard and like hitting him right between the eyes. Um, I, and I, I don't know exactly all the reasons why, but apparently, Rick thought he had reasons why, and he went out of his way to. Yep sure and by, by that point i mean we've already we might have already known that jason kidd was the favorite to get the job like the mavericks wanted him anyway they there's even thinking going back now as we look back and kind of take everything in that like why did jason kidd pull his name out of consideration for the blazers job
0: well now because we know. he
1: already knew that he was going to get the Dallas. Job? <laughs> uh yeah probably so probably. um but that that was that was pretty amazing what uh what rick did but anyway um I think the magic are open to a lot of different people right now. And I think they really want to do the interviews and kind of feel how it goes. You know, I mean, I still think Kenny Atkinson would be a good choice, but I think they've got some other, you know, people that they could really look at. I mean, have they interviewed, I mean, they've interviewed so many different people. I can't keep up on it, but have they, have they even interviewed your guy Vanderpool?
0: I believe that they did. I don't hold me to that until I look this up. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I think David Vanderpool would be an amazing fit there.
1: Well, the good um, thing is there's a lot of good young yes, yes that yes. I think that they have, that they can choose from.
0: Yep, I agree. There's a lot of good coaches that will be good with young talent, and that's very and that, important. That's the big
1: team. thing for the Magic because they are going to be young for a few more years to come.
0: You want some synergy there. All right, uh, another piece of news that you have in here, uh, the the athletic Uh, saying that the Warriors are open to trading James Wiseman and the number seven pick uh, if it means current roster improvement. I've also seen uh, Andrew Wiggins, you know, name out there as well. I'm sure that they're, you know, obviously going to contemplate any change that they can make to improve the roster. Um, I think this is a good opportunity to say that James Wiseman, if you, you know, quote unquote, buy low, uh, you could be very, very happy. Um, especially if you look at the progress that DeAndre Ayton has shown just through the last three months, you can say the entire season, but really the last, you know, since the postseason has started is a really good example about how long it takes for, I don't want to say traditional big men. Cause it's more modern big men, but like big men that aren't known for shooting and they're, you know, more operate out of the block and, you know, rim runners and offensive rebounders, guys that star and buy into their role. James Wiseman can definitely be a guy like that. Well, I think a lot of people
1: are looking at the comparison when it comes to DeAndre Ayton and saying, what did we have with this guy? And look at how quickly he transformed into what he is now. Now, mind you.
0: That wasn't quickly, though, and that's the problem. It was was another year's.
1: Yes. And then that's the whole thing. Like, do we want to be patient with Wiseman? Hoping that we can get to that point with him, but it's going to take a few more years. And I think the way they look at it going, Steph is already over 30. Gray's yes, coming their back. team
0: situation we, makes we sense. We need to win yes. right
1: now. And I mean, they're not going to give Wiseman away, obviously. But I mean, they they have some some capital, you know, when it comes yeah. to their picks. Because remember, they don't just have seven, they have 14, whatever you like with that. Um, they do have Wiseman. I mean, one name that was linked to them already by Hollinger was uh, Pascal Siakam, which I thought was interesting. Like, yeah, pretty interesting. And uh, it makes sense for both teams to some extent. So um,
0: I'm thinking of Charlotte, dude. Like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm thinking of Charlotte. Uh, I don't know how to make the money work, but like maybe try to find a way to get a Rozier or a uh, Gordon Hayward over there. You know, like I feel like those would be really good fits. Just, you know, spitballing. Uh, but Charlotte just being, you know, big, needy, uh, I think, mm-hmm. is a really good fit. Um, and,
1: you know, some people have mentioned Ben Simmons, and I, I don't think that would be a fit. I mean, people will automatically say, well, of course it's not a fit because you need they already have
0: Draymond. That, they already that's, have Draymond. So. That's
1: what the problem is, because you can sit there and say, <laughs> you can have all the shooting. And then if you have guys like just sprint through the lane, you have cutters, then Simmons yeah. could thrive. But the problem is, if you put Draymond and Ben out there, you've got two guys that can't shoot. And there you go. And that's a, that's a tough one.
0: That's a tough one. So that was uh, another piece of news. We've got to hit on Damian Lillard. So, you know, long story short, Damian Lillard, not happy with the backlash that the Chauncey Billups hire got. Not going to get all into that. Uh, the 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 actual press conference itself was, was handled really poorly. Um, but just the fact that Lillard uh, is starting to grow a little bit impatient, I guess, uh, it's not really impatient because he's been there for a while now. Um, he might be using this as the crutch or as an excuse uh, to look for a way out. There's no, There's been no formal trade request. Uh, but Chris Haynes did report this past week that he doesn't feel like, he doesn't have full confidence that the front office is going to be able to, you know, build a championship team around him and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we actually have an article on basketballnews.com by Tommy Beer talking about how the New York Knicks should go all in on him. Uh, I mentioned earlier that he was sitting next to LeBron James at an LA Sparks game. So, Ooh. you know, but, um, but I'm thinking to myself though, before you get going here, mm-hmm. this is a guy whose Supermax is going to kick in and has four years on his contract. If I'm not mistaken,
1: he's going to have some years. that He'll be making over $50 million on that contract too.
0: So here's my question. Uh, how do you pony up the money for that one and two, how do you find an earth shattering offer for a player like that to get him? you know, to get really what you want in return, but to also, you know, I don't want to say help him out, but to get him to a place where he wants to play. Cause right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the James Harden situation, right? And the Rockets played hardball with him for a month, and then he ended up over in, in Brooklyn, right? So how do you do that with Dame? And Dame's not someone I think would make a fuss over it. I think he's just genuinely frustrated. He's seeing all these teams in the you know Final Four, and this is something that he's been craving for a while. But yeah. I'm just so curious about what they do with him. I don't think they're going to be in a rush to trade him. He's got four years on his contract. Contracts have to mean something. So you're not going to sell them for pennies.
1: Right. And that could be a situation where they could as valuable of a player as he already is, because you could sit there and talk about his age as well, because what is he? 32, 31,
0: 31. Yeah. I
1: think. Yeah. So, I mean, but you could sit there and go, well, he's under contract for the next four years. So it's not like that's, that's coming up, but I mean, when you look at the situation, people have always kind of wondered, like, is Dame ever going to ask out? And all signs are like no. But then there was like little things here, like people were frustrated that you know about the you know hiring Chauncey Billups and everything. They went into that. There was some fan backlash about that, and he was the catching some of that backlash. He's like, why? You know, I I have nothing. You know that that's not my choice. I can sit in those meetings. I can do whatever, but. That that shouldn't be on me. If you want to be mad, be mad at the front office, be mad at the organization. But I think it's just a lot of little things that add up, especially when it comes to there's been growing belief that the Blazers are not going to make wholesale changes to the roster in the offseason. And games like, well, what are we doing here? We've had the same roster for whatever. I like my teammates, but we don't have enough to win. And I'm at a point now where I gotta only be thinking about winning because my my career, you know, has only got so many years left on it. You know, sticking. So, yeah. So he's got to start thinking of it from from that vantage point. So it's like even if he was to be moved and I, I think he's a lot more open to being traded than he ever was before. And I and I think that if he actually wants to do it, he wants to do it the right way. I don't think he's going to handle it the way Harden handled it or, or some other people handled it. But um, he will want to go to a team where he can contend right off the bat. And then with that kind of money, it it does make it more difficult and I don't know. I'm looking,
0: the, yeah, I'm looking at the options and it's just so funny to me that like, can, can I think, throw out
1: a wild one? Go ahead. Because, well, let me, let me start with this. He ain't going to the Lakers. It's impossible. They're not going to take
0: things. Kyle Kuzma, Montrez, Harrell and, Halen Horton Tucker for Damian Lillard. It's not happening. And you can't. So
1: sorry, guys. There's so many hurdles when it comes to <laughs> signing trade with the Lakers, and because Portland's over the cap, and I mean, it's just it's an impossible trade on a variety of ways. It ain't happening, okay. And I don't care how many teams you include, it ain't happening, okay. But here's my crazy one: What if he was trade for Kyrie Irving?
0: Okay, show your work.
1: So Kyrie, even though he's friendly with Kevin Durant, there has been some belief that while maybe the Nets front office are mad at Kyrie, they were a little frustrated, a little irked with some stuff that happened during the season and him shutting himself down and stepping away and some of the little things that happened there to where, like I said, like it's not like it's a hurdle to get over, but maybe it'll be It's a little frustrating. This has happened, you know, throughout his career kind of a thing, especially, you know, the Boston years. And um, maybe they could sit there and say, hey, you know, as talented as Kyrie is, um, Dame is just as talented. And maybe we feel like those little frustrations that come with Kyrie that can become big frustrations, we would not have those when it comes to uh, if we had Dame Willard. Now, mind you, there have to be more done to make the money work because Kyrie does not make as much money. And I'd have to look up exactly how much the difference is. But um, that would be one I wouldn't say look out for, but there's just something in the back of my mind that says, like, well, if they were really going to trade Dame, if they were really committed to doing it, is this something Brooklyn might be open to doing?
0: It's an interesting thought. I don't know.
1: I don't know if there's really. Anything I think that to those it.
0: things. I think that those things that you said that, you know, Sean Marks and the Nets front office were concerned about with Kyrie. I feel like that would take his value down a little. Honestly,
1: Kyrie um, makes so. Kyrie makes thirty five next year. I,
0: I just meant like trade value. Yeah, like I not, know. Not his contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I want
1: to say. But I'm I'm looking at how much money everybody makes because Kyrie makes thirty five, and Dame next year makes forty three. So you'd have to that throw in about you have to throw in about four or five million. Yeah, could you throw in Joe Harris?
0: Joe Harris would be too much. Yeah, Joe be Harris. Too much. Joe yeah, Harris be so I mean,
1: what if you threw in? And now I got to. go. I
0: ahead. don't know, like uh, Landry Shamit, <laughs> or like, uh, like a Landry Shamit was guys. Be, yeah. uh,
1: like Landry Shamit and some picks would be. Um, yeah quite interesting again again how about I, they give him deandre jordan and say that is you know come on man let, let's get him out of here he ain't playing all anything. right
0: or we're done with fantasy carrying trade. katie's bags right we're we're done with fantasy trades now um
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but that, that's just something because we sit there we wonder about partners and yeah. i'm of the opinion that the blazers are not going to move him unless dame really steps up and says hey i'm not going to make a fuss about this but I think it's time to move on. And maybe yeah. maybe Kim and his representation could tell the Blazers, like, hey, um, maybe you should get maximum value for Damian now yeah. and, and start the rebuild rather than waiting another year because, you know, Dame's been pretty injury-free for his career, you know, and he's a little bit older and all these different things and his yeah. value is extremely it's high. It's just right the now.
0: length of the contract extension stuff that just makes right. me. Think. I don't know what leverage that Dame
1: has. And, and I don't know what other fit there is because like I said, anywhere that Dame goes, I think, I think they would work with him on a trade, but it's like, what locations are we talking about? And
0: the gets, problem is, the problem is too. Uh, you know, say you do want to invest in the future and you do want to look at someone who's going to be like really good. Those guys are on rookie contracts right now still. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be able to match those up. So you need to find someone who's 26, 27 years old uh, that signed for a rookie Max or signed for a Supermax extension. Like are you talking like a
1: Philadelphia make- with Ben Simmons?
0: Correct, actually. But I don't know. I don't know how much I like that. We'll see. Well, well, we'll see. I mean,
1: obviously there would have to be more put into it, but I mean, it's, yeah. you're really limiting the places he can go because the money he's owed and the kind of team he would want to go to. And I mean, all this being said, as we sit here and play Monday morning quarterback, not knowing that Damon is even going to be traded or wants to be traded or anything. And all signs have always pointed. He wants to be a blazer for life. And until he says differently, I'm going to believe that as well.
0: Most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, I did another one that's uh, been swirling around and it's in my side of town that I just wanted to touch upon uh, was Colin Sexton. And, uh, you know, the rumors uh, that are swirling around, just, you know, Jeremy Wu of of Sports Illustrated, um, our own Matt Babcock, uh, when he was at the Combine, just hearing some scuttlebutt on, uh, you know, Sexton possibly being uh, involved in trade talks. So what I want to make clear on this, at least from who I've spoken to, uh, is that this is not by no means uh, a shopping. This is answering phone calls and doing your due diligence because, smartly enough, Colin Sexton is going to be asking for a rookie max extension. We get it. I don't know. I don't think so. We'll see. We'll see. The uh, the the time that they can start those negotiations will be on August third. But here's the thing. Uh, I wrote an article on BasketballNews.com last week about why the Cavs should take their time and they should basically go about it and have Colin basically have a, a, a really prove it year. Like he's already proven it. Don't get me wrong. Like kids improved, uh, you know, much better, uh, as far as his reads have gotten, uh, getting to the, the whole being a much better shooter than a lot of people saw him being in the draft. Um, Shot selection, it's gotten better. Yeah, he still has some tunnel vision. He still has some trouble uh, with some defensive awareness. Uh, could get a lot more patient in pick and roll situations, but that's just not his game. You know, he's a—he's an attack guy. That's who he is. And I always find it funny, people that, that compare him to Jordan Clarkson and to Lou Williams. Okay, tell me those guys, what their numbers look like their first three years and then get back to me. But uh, Colin, I feel like, can get to that rookie max level. I don't think he's quite there yet. don't think he's quite there yet. So it's wise of the Cavs to, I think, let this play out. If you get an amazing offer for Colin Sexton, then yeah, you you obviously take it, especially knowing that you're probably going to draft a guard or a wing in this coming draft. A lot of drafts, uh, the mock drafts have have the the Cavs taking a guy like Jalen Green. Uh, who I think can play the three, but he's probably going to be playing the two. Um, you know, uh, or, or somebody maybe like Jalen Suggs, uh, who's more of a point guard type. Uh, you, you obviously have the, the Darius Garland thing in there, who, again, amazing year, uh, second year for him. You have Isaac Okoro, who is played the three, but it's probably more ideally a two. So you think about all the guards that are in there and yeah, it gets a little bit log jammy. Uh, My counterpoint to that is that the Cavs were just fine with Kevin Porter jr. In 2019, 20 season uh, with all those guys. I am curious about what they do, because I don't think I I truly don't think they're going to move Colin. I don't. Um, I think that, they're going to let this play out similar to what I'm suggesting in my article, uh, because this restricted free agency could definitely be beneficial to both parties. If, if, if he turns into this max player who is, you know, on that all-star level or makes an all-star team, you don't have to let him go anywhere. You can match. You have, you literally have the power enabled to match whatever offer sheet comes Collins way next summer. If that's the route they elect to go. And if you don't like what you see, then you don't have to match as a restricted free agent. You kind of hold the keys here and Colin should damn sure get his money, especially when you put his numbers against guys like in their, you know, third, fourth years, like Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, the numbers are comparable, whether people like it or not. And it's smart of both parties, I think, to just take this year to, play it out, play it out. And then, uh, you know, you can get really where you want to go with this, this whole situation, but I think it's just beneficial for both parties. Um, if if an agreement is not reached before the first game of the season, that's when the deadline is, uh, to get a rookie max extension for the class of 2018, then go through the year. Like it's a contract year. It's a one year prove it deal and then figure it out next summer.
1: And the thing is, like, I think that they look and see what the market is when it comes to him from a standpoint of what other teams would be willing to pay for him. But I I think when it's said and done, I think he'll probably stay. But um, I don't think it'll get a max, but I think it'll get close enough to it.
0: Close to a max is what I also like. What
1: would you say? Let me ask you this because remember when Giannis got his first extension, it was four years for 100. And the market's a little bit different now, but I can see I'm just gonna say <laughs> you know could the would it be like a four- year 110
0: mm, I I know that profit X has his real-time contract value at 30 million a year at the moment
1: well I'm just so. saying I mean, four years 110 that's short of a max yeah. but now mind you would he sign four years or would he sign for five years?
0: depends i think he would do the the fives i would i would assume the long-term security means a lot to he him. could
1: he could go you know five-year deal the last year he can opt out but yeah. if you if it was a five-year deal i could see like five years 130 135 yeah. something like yeah, that that's I mean,
0: that's 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 typical yeah and it's not a super max extension it, yeah it's not yeah, a yeah, slap
1: yeah. in the face but you're mm-hmm. still getting like and some people are gonna go oh my god colin sexton got that kind of a money but it's like know the economics of today's NBA. Yeah. You know, I I love this one too, just on a little side note for a different player. So, (laughs) you know, Taylor Horton Tucker for the Lakers is out there and like, you know, he's restricted. It's one of those different ones where he was a second round pick. And there's already like supposedly one Eastern conference exec that says, Oh yeah. I'd give him the max. Jeez. And I'm sitting there going, is that real or not? Is that guy just saying that just to try to up the value? Because this sounds that like. That was Pinkus's
0: story, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it was or not. I can't remember. I think it, it was Pincus' story. But it's just like, I think you're lying. I think you're just planting that right now. I think you're saying that just to try to make, you know, a team play max dollars for him. Because I really, I do not think he's getting max dollars. I don't think he's getting close to it. But. Like, right, oh, I'd no. pay him max dollars. It's like, you, you're full of it, man. You're just saying that. <laughs> I mean, and this is what happens. I mean, you're, you're going to prop up value because, hey, w- what's the worst thing? Even if the Lakers keep them, oh, we made them pay an extra $5 million for this guy, and that cripples them even more to what they can do when it comes to the roster going forward, or just makes it that much tougher for them. Yeah, sure. That, that's what you do in, in the league. right but i saw that and like i was like what like good put that name on record come on man put a name to that
0: (laughs) all right brian i got one more point to make and then we're gonna skedaddle on out of here yeah uh it's got to do with stan van gundy's latest comments uh not like public comments in front of a camera it's a tweet and basically it is about something that we talked and touched about a little earlier. People seeing that all of these stars are out and hurt, and it sucks. It really does suck. Um, but we're starting to see all oh, the season should have an asterisk on it. All oh, the season should not count. All that BS. So I will lay the platform to you before I get here, but I would like to say that Stan Van Gundy came out on his Twitter and basically was like, there's no such thing as an asterisk season. Now there have been injuries that have been huge, but the team that wins in the end is the one that was able to handle those situations the best out of anybody else. And he's completely right. He's completely right.
1: I totally agree. It goes back to what I said before winning a championship is hard it doesn't just begin with the nba playoffs it begins with the offseason beforehand it's the entirety of the season it's staying healthy it's playing well it's gelling as a team it's having chemistry and then surviving the playoffs sometimes and yes there are plenty of injuries maybe more so this season than we've seen in recent history but still you have to give credit to the teams that make it, and the one that wins. And I will not put an asterisk on anything because winning a championship is very, very difficult. I mean, you can look back at years ago. I, I mean, I can go back to the 88 the finals when the Pistons look like they might you know, beat the Lakers. And Isaiah Thomas goes down in the third quarter of game six and sprains his ankle. And I think it was that game where he sprained his ankle or maybe it was game five. But regardless, Isaiah Thomas... Sprains his ankle badly in that series. He still put up like a 20-point quarter. He's limping around. He's playing. But in the end, they go to game seven. The Lakers win the championship. We've seen this time and time again. In 1989, when the Pistons were the favorites, I don't know how many people remember this, but before the series begins, Byron Scott, who's arguably the Lakers' best defender, Got hurt during practice. He hurt his shoulder. Boom. He's gone for the series. I believe in game one or early in game two, Magic Johnson pulled his hamstring done for the series. Pistons sweep. They win the championship. Are we putting an asterisk on that because two of the Lakers best three players were injured? No. Pistons won. Injuries are a part of the game. I will not put an asterisk on anything, on any team you earn it if you win an NBA championship. You got to that point. You put yourself in that position. You win the games. You win the championship. And I'm I'm not going to take anything away from that accomplishment.
0: And people, this is a Lakers fan saying this. So remember that. He has every doesn't mean reason I like
1: Isaiah Thomas. I mean, he has man.
0: every reason to be homery here.
1: So I do. This is I coming mean, from him. This is I, coming from him. I'm, I'm just saying. A, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, if the Lakers are healthy this year, I mean, they're. I look at it from a standpoint, like whoever wins deserves it this year, but there is a little bit of a, what if in my mind that says it was right there to grab. If the Lakers could have stayed healthy because yeah. even with LeBron and his ankle, the w- way it was, but the second AD went down in the playoffs. That's the one that really hurt them because even, yes. if, even if LeBron was at whatever percentage you want to call it with the ankle injury, but if AD was healthy, they were beating Phoenix 2 to 1. And all signs were pointing to the Lakers figuring out the Suns. And then AD got hurt. But you know what? AD got hurt. And that's the way it goes. And he got hurt, LeBron was not right, and they lost. Phoenix won. They deserve wise it, words, you
0: know. Wise words, Fritzy.
1: I don't okay. care what Paul George says about Kawhi Leonard. If only we had Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I know. You would have had a better chance of winning if the If only the Sixers what?
0: didn't what? have Joel Embiid on a torn meniscus. Yeah. If only the Utah Jazz weren't missing Mike Conley for half the playoffs. If, if, only, if, if only, if only, if only. I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing only, it. You could do that literally for every season yeah. possible. If only every the Sixers season. had
1: a star player that, you know, didn't lose his mind in that series. You know, I mean you, you can sit here and play the what if game like you for said for every, every
0: season, yes. every season you could go down the rabbit hole, every year you can do that. Mm-hmm. Just saying, getting a little hot, so we're gonna take it off on a cool here. We're gonna we're gonna get a little cool now, and we're gonna take it home. All right. This was the latest episode of Keeping It at 94. With Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. You can find us on Twitter at spin Davies. He is at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at spin Davies. He is on Instagram at it's Brian Fritz. Again, we are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got 10 other great podcasts for you to listen to. Not limited to the Rex Chapman show with Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins. Neat and unfiltered with Kenyon Martin and Jadakus. The postcast with James Posey. Dishes and dimes with the ladies. The rematch with Etan Thomas. The dunker spot, the hottest podcast in sports. Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. Very analytically driven. The Alex Kennedy podcast with Alex Kennedy, the Sheridan show with Chris Sheridan, the follow through with clips and drew. And then of course you've got NBA top shot weekly with Oliver Maroney and Alex Kennedy every Thursday. So make sure to like those subscribe rate review, do the same for us, please. We'll try to get up some more clips for you out on social media. Now these days, try to get you to know us a little bit better. Maybe get some of our takes out there. I got one on the Clippers that didn't quite come to fruition. I almost, almost, almost was able to use that again. I did it after they won in their, their second round series. But those are ones that you go back in time and you look at your takes and you're like, oh, I, I got one right. I got one right. Or you go back and you old takes expose yourself. And that's, that's the best. Because then you just look at yourself like, what the hell was I thinking? Probably if I go back and talk about what happened with Lloyd Pierce. <laughs> but... Anyways, anyways, this was the latest episode of Keep It at 94. Like I said, subscribe, rate, review. And until next time, we will be in the NBA Finals. It will be official. The NBA Finals will be set by the time we record this next podcast. So, until next time, see who the Suns are playing. See how we're doing after our 4th of July weekend. Probably a little hungover. But... It's all in good fun. So we'll see.